Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Time is our most valuable commodity, our most precious resource. As we begin a new year, let's dive deep into the principles necessary to make the most of the time we are given and learn to steward it well. All right, we got, a, we got a lot to cover tonight, so let's just dive in. Go ahead and grab your Bibles or pull open your app and go to Psalm 90. Because as we prepare to move into this year, and I did what I always do, I got along with God and just started praying about what we were going to teach on. And, and I think the first series, I told you last week, whatever we do, the first series of the year matters. Because I think in, in Scripture we see this principle of firsts, that firsts matter. I, I believe that very deeply. I believe the first thing that you do in any arena or every arena matters. The first, you realize the first five minutes of your day matter. That's why they say waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Because that just means like it, from the very, from the giddy up, you were in a bad mood. Anybody ever, I won't ask for a show of hands. First matter, and, and I felt God, I'm always looking for something new and something fresh, and I told you last week, I felt like God spoke something into my spirit really clear, and maybe it was just for me, was to lean into what we've learned. Lean into what you've learned. That sometimes it's not about learning something new, it's about better applying what you already know. Like you don't need something new, you just need to better apply what you already know. And we're always looking for fresh and new. And so that's when God began to draw me into some very specific passages of Scripture. And one is Psalm 90. And before I read the verses, we're going to pick up in just a second with verse 9. If you want to go ahead and, and find it in your device or however you're accessing God's Word. Because this is a psalm that's not written by David. And when we think of psalms, we most often think of David, right? But it was actually written by a, an equally legendary biblical figure, Moses. And Moses opens up this psalm, and you can tell he's in this mode of reflection. And he's starting to just be reminded of how unlimited God is. And that's the God we serve. God is not limited. God is not confined. God is is bigger than and outside of every single thing that you know. You can't put him in a box. You you, You can't wrap your mind around him. You will never be able to know all there is to know about our God. That's why don't ever be afraid that somebody will ask you a question about God that you don't know. Because if they do, it reminds you of how awesome he is. Like when somebody says, ask me a question, I say, I don't know. That's how big God is. He, he's so big, I don't know everything there is to know about him. And like, that's okay. That's good. And in the midst of being reminded that God is not limited by time, Moses begins to kind of wrap his mind around his own mortality. That no, God is not limited by time, but we are. We as humanity are confined to this thing called time. And Moses begins to just reflect on that. Pick up with verse 9. Psalm 90, verse 9. And I think what Moses says, we can all relate to. If you can't relate to this, then you're a robot. Psalm 90, pick up with verse 9. It says, All our days pass away under your wrath, and we finish our years with a moan. Verse 10, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. 
If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear your due. And then in verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And Moses said, you know what? You're not confined to time. But, but if we're lucky, if, if our bodies hold out, we may make it to 70 years. We, we may make it to 80 years if, if our bodies don't give out. And, and the truth is about even, even the good years have struggle. Like, like even every year is a roller coaster. There's good things and there's bad things. There's highs and there's lows. And he says, if we could only understand that the reason why you get so frustrated with us is because you see the limitations of our time. And you don't want us to waste it. So God, help us to number our days because the reality is our days are numbered. And so as we begin this year, we, I felt like God wanted us to have a new conversation, another conversation about this issue of time. Because it's something that, that we just don't appreciate. Until we don't think we have much left. It's weird, man, when you're young, time can't move fast enough. And when you're old, you can't get it to slow down quick enough. And we live, I told you last week, we live in a space where, the, where time is around us all the time. Like, it, we, got, we got our phones on us, we got our devices, like we're, we're keenly aware of time. But just those digital numbers don't really help us to appreci appreciate time like, like an hourglass. It's not one, you don't see these frequently. But to me, just the visual of this helps me remember the importance of time. Because the reality is, the day you were born, God flipped your glass. And every grain is a, is a second, a minute, a moment of time. And the reality is from the moment you entered this world, the glass has flipped and time is moving. And, and all throughout Scripture, God tries to remind us of the realities of time. That it's fleeting and it's limited. It's moving fast and it's confined. And the, and the reality is you only get one turn. You only get one go on the merry-go-round of life. And from the day you were born, the sands have been moving. And again, I'm not trying to be morbid, but the reality is, unlike this glass, which is very easy to see how much is left, you don't know how many grains are left in your glass. Like, you're not promised tomorrow. And that's why time is our most precious commodity. Time is so much more valuable than we can often wrap our minds around. Come on, you with me? I know it's Monday night. Are you with me? Like, like time, more than money, more than any other thing, your greatest resource is time. So you cannot afford to waste another second. It's funny, like everybody, you know, you, you, you knew you were fat in September. <laughs> but you know what you said? New Year's. <laughs> I'm going to start. But it's like July, New Year's. <laughs> I'm, like that's our mindset, right? Like, why, why, why do today? Well, you can put off till tomorrow. I mean, like that's that's how we live because we don't appreciate it. And so, like, because the reality is, time you do one of two things with it: you 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 in, you steward it wisely or you spend it wastefully. And most of us are really good at spending it wastefully. And so, like. Let's lean into Scripture, because the cool thing is, like, the Bible has given us a lot of wisdom, 
about how to steward time well, about how to make the most of it. And so we're starting this new year leaning back into God's Word, trying to figure out, all right, let's stop wasting time. And last week we leaned into the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, where he gives us a lot of insight as to how we waste time. That so often we waste time because we just have poor priorities. That we waste time because we give it to things that don't matter. When he said, you know, don't, don't invest in things that are only going to wither and waste away. Invest in things that are going to last. And don't invest into temporary pleasures. Pour yourself into things that are connected to your eternal purpose. Give your life to something that will outlive you. And so many of us spend so much time chasing those things. And if we're going to invest our time wisely, if we're going to make the most of this precious commodity that God has given us called time, then we have to pour into the right priorities or we'll waste it. And today I want us to lean back into that passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. Because in that same chapter, Jesus gives us another good example of how to waste time. And it's one that I believe every single one of us are guilty of, if we're honest. Go there. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Pick up with verse 25. Now, again, in the same passage where Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin and things destroy. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In this same conversation, this is what he says next. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. I have to yell it because I need to hear it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than sneakers? <laughs> That's the Matt Smith version of the Bible. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Then listen to what he says. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Right there, you know what Jesus is saying? Worry is wasteful. Worry is wasteful. Like if you want to steward your time wisely and not spend it wastefully, you've got to eliminate worry. He says, you know what, you can't add a single minute, you can't add a single hour, you, you, cannot, you cannot make the most of your moments when you are consumed with worry. That worry is the most useless use of our time. And I am so guilty of it. Now I know y'all, y'all, y'all are good, like, oh, I don't worry about nothing. But for me, worry, worry is not an occasional visitor. Worry is a frequent guest in my mind. Like, if you know me, like, you know, like, I, I am a, like, I am the Michael Jordan of worriers. Not the LeBron James, because LeBron can't hold a candle to the goat, which is Michael Jordan. <laughs> I won't get another amen all night for that. Woo! Like, I am a, if, if worrier was a profession, I would, I mean, 
like I would be the champ. Like I would be the gold medalist in worry. Like I'm so, I worry so much. Like if I wake up and I don't have nothing to worry about, I'm worried that I'm not worrying about something. I'm like, why am I not worried? There's something I need to be worried about. So I need to worry about what I'm not worrying about. Can anybody relate to me or am I, thank you. Whew, I'm not crazy. At least that doesn't indicate that I'm crazy. Maybe some other things, but like, I, I am a professional worrier. Like, I get consumed with worry. And what's crazy is, like, it is so useless. And Jesus isn't the only one to point us to this reality. Jesus says, look, look you, can't, you can't put a single grain back into the glass by worrying about it. Like, it's such a useless use of your energy to allow yourself to be consumed by worry. Paul, Paul says it. Philippians chapter 4, start with verse 6. Do not be anxious, don't worry about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says do not be anxious about anything. And here's what that means. Do not be anxious about anything. Like anything. And sometimes I think as, a, as an adult, like, we feel like you're, you're irresponsible if you're not worried. And we almost kind of, like, like, the culture kind of shifts us into that, right? Like, I got kids, and I got bills, and I got all this stuff in my life. And, like, you're like, Paul, like, I, I get what you're saying, bro, but, like, I, I got a lot to worry about. I got a, I got a wedding I got to figure out how to pay for. I got college tuition. I, 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 I got to eat. Like, I got stuff I got to worry about. And I just want to remind you that when Paul writes this, he writes it from prison, Never knowing when the next sound of that door opening is his executioner coming to lead him to his death. If anybody had something to worry about, it was Paul. Like, at any moment, the jailer can walk in and say, all right, Paul, it's time to off with the head. He says, don't, don't be anxious about anything. Like, worry is so wasteful. And the reason why is because, like, worry does something to us. Worry has a, a physical, emotional, and spiritual impact that I don't even think we realize. But Scripture warns, look at Proverbs twelve twenty five: Anxiety weighs down the heart. Like, anxiety is this, like, ball and chain that you're just dragging through life. This worry, this, when you get consumed by worry... It just messes with you. It messes with your effectiveness and your time. And, and, and like, if you're still kind of balanced, you're like, well, no, 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 Matt. Like, like, I worry, but I still get everything done. I'm a functioning worrier. Like, yeah, I worry, but, but I still get out of bed, and I still go to work, and I still get things done. But you are not as effective with your time as you could be if your mind is consumed with worry. See, Scripture has a lot to say about what happens between your ears. Your, your, your thought life, number one, it matters to God. That's why when Jesus said, it, no, you don't even have to touch her in a bad way. If you think about her lustfully, that's just as bad as you touching her in that way. Woo! Every, a lot of men in the room just went, oh, no. <laughs> because, like, your thought life matters to God because what, what happens in the mind eventually is, it impacts the behavior. And when, you're, when your mind is cons 
When worry consumes your mind, it dilutes your time. When worry consumes your mind, it dilutes your time. Like Paul said a lot about like the importance of setting our mind, like our mindset making a difference in how we live and how we make the most of our moments. Look at Romans chapter 8. Pick up with verse 5. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Like Paul's trying to tell you, like, like what's happening in your noodle? It matters. It's impacting how you can effectively use your time. And so if we're going to say that every single grand grain of sand matters, if every minute matters, every hour matters, then like when, when, when we spend days, weeks, months consumed with worry, all the things we're doing are not as effective for God's glory as they could have been otherwise. Are you with me? Say amen. It's just the truth. And what I found is like when I'm full of worry, I'm empty of joy. And when I'm empty of joy, I'm void of strength. And when I'm void of strength, I'm incapable of compassion. And I'm useless. And so if we are going to intentionally make the most of our time, then we're going to have to ruthlessly eliminate worry. So then here's the question. All right, how do we do that? You tell me and we'll all know. Because I, I got to be honest with you, man, sometimes God asks me to preach this. I'm like, God, I, I, like, I'm, I'm still wrestling with that myself. Like, like, I'm the least qualified person to have this conversation. And so I just begin, all right, let's start. If we're going to start trying to eliminate worry, if we're going to start trying to eradicate this from our lives, then, then we're going to have to start being honest about some things. Like, we're going to have to start, all right, let, let's be real about, okay, well, when do I worry, and, and what do I worry about, and, and what can I really realistically do in order to start eliminating some things? And I started wrestling with those questions, and I think maybe the answers that I came with, up with are the, are the same ones that you'll have as well. Like, when, when do I really worry? Lack of certainty and loss of control. Can anybody relate? That's when we worry, isn't it? Lack of certainty and loss of control. The unknown is the breeding ground for worry. Amen, Pastor Matt. Amen, Pastor Matt. Sure is. Like, like it's, it's, it's the not knowing that drives you crazy. Come on. Like, we worry more about the unknown than the negative. Like, I don't care if it's bad. I just want to know. Because if it's bad, I can start getting ready. I can brace myself. I can prepare for the bad news. Like, it's, it's the not knowing that makes you want to pull what little hair you have left out. I just want to know. It's, it's, it's a lack of certainty that... that that creates that stress and that worry. Like, I, I just, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know when it's going to be fixed. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when they're going to come home. I don't know what the test results are going to be. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to live without them. I, like, I just don't know. It's the lack of certainty. That's when I worry. 
And, and these two, aren't they connected? Because if I knew, I could control it. I could control my response. I could control how I'm going to handle it. I could, I, could, I could put a plan together and be ready for it. But like when we're not in control, when, 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 we, when we can't fix it, when we can't resolve it, when we, when we can't control how it's going to turn out, like the more we lose control, the, the, the more we worry. And you know where this is most greatly seen in my life is, is with my kids. Because the older they get, the less control I have in their lives. And daddy don't like that. I mean, when, when, they were a little, when they were little babies, like, I could control everything, everything they were exposed to. I could tell you, get away from my kid. You're sick. You got a sniffle? Stay 50 feet away. Have you been, do you have a flu shot? If not, you need a hazmat suit because my baby ain't getting that cold. But now they're 10. Like, I could control what they were exposed to. I could control what they heard about certain things in life. And now they go to school, surrounded by a bunch of turds <laughs> that are teaching my babies things they don't need to know. But the reality is, the older they get, the less and less control I have. And so you know what I do? I worry. Like, isn't this when we worry? Lack of certainty and loss of control. That's when I worry. But you know what the frustrating is? The older I get, the more I realize there's little that I know and even less I can control. How much in life is really certain? Very little. How much in life can you really control? Not much. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I can't make them do that. In so many arenas of life, the reality is we know very little and we can control even less. So we have to lean into God and his word. And you know what? I think Jesus even begins to point out the things that we worry about. Go back into Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So why do you worry saying, what will we, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And right there, like, Jesus is beginning to kind of point out, like, here, here's what you're worrying about. Like, I know why you worry. You worry when you don't have control and you, and you, and you don't have certainty. But, but what you worry about is, like, these, even these basic needs of life. But to me, like, there's, there, there's two categories that I can break down all my worries under these two umbrellas. Number one, will I have enough? In its simplest form, isn't that what we worry about? Will I have enough? Will I have enough money to make this happen? Will I have enough money 
to keep the roof over our head? Will I have enough money? Will I have enough? If you've never had to worry about, will I have enough, then you got too much. You need to give us some. <laughs> Come on, isn't that what we worry about? Like, will, I, will I have enough? Will I have enough talent? Will I have enough energy? Will I have enough, will I have enough time? Will I have enough? And again, that's why I have to lean into Scripture. Because look, look at even what Jesus says. Look at Matthew. Go back to verse 30 of Matthew chapter 6. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Like, hey, look at how God makes sure that all of creation somehow has enough. Don't you think that he will also make sure that you have enough? Philippians 4, 19, and my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I'm reminded that my God is good and he loves me and he takes care of me and he will always make sure that I have enough. I may not have all I want, but I'll have enough. Come on, somebody. I'll have enough. But I think maybe the reason why we worry that if we'll have enough is because there's a little bit deeper thing that really that I worry about. And it's not, will I have enough? It's, it's am I enough? Because isn't that what it comes down to? Right? The reason why I wonder, will I have enough, is because I'm worried that I am not enough. That as long as you don't feel worthy, you will constantly feel worry. Let me say that one more time. As long as you don't feel worthy, you will continue to feel worry. We know, like, I, I know that's who God is, but I'm not worthy of him taking care of. Because I'm sinful, and I'm broken, and I've made so many mistakes. Like, like I'm not worthy to have him supply and meet my needs. And I just want to remind you again, look at, go back to verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Listen to this. Are you listening? Are you not much more valuable than they? That you are God's prized creation. You're the apple of his eye. You're the only thing he created in his image. Which is a declaration of your value to your heavenly father. You are his son, his daughter. You are not enough because you've earned it. You are enough because he's declared it. You don't have to worry. And all throughout Scripture, we're reminded of this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Like God's been preparing. You're his handiwork. You're his creation. Deuteronomy 33, 12. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. I love that verse. Like, I don't have to worry, am I enough? Because he's already said I am. He's already promised to care for me. So even in moments of uncertainty and even when I'm not in control, that he's looking over me. But there's some things that we can do 
There's some things that we need to do to live under the umbrella of his provision and to stay under that. Look what he says. He gives us some insight. If you go back into Matthew chapter 6, because after he says all this stuff, he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Sounds more like a command than a suggestion, don't it? He doesn't say, you know, you probably shouldn't worry about tomorrow, or if today's good, don't worry about tomorrow. Therefore, do not, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He says, see, if, if, what you're going to need to do in order to experience this life where worry doesn't have to crush you, is you're going to have to put me first. Like if you will put me first, if you allow me to be God. If you're, so what does, that, what does that really mean? What he's saying is if you allow me to be God and you stop trying to be God, I'll take care of all this stuff. And there's two things that God kind of just pushed on my heart to remind me of what I need to do. Maybe, you, maybe you, you're doing these things really, really well. Because you're spiritual and good. But for me, this is what I've learned. I wrote them down. These are just straight out of my journal. The word leads to a walk that reduces the worry. This is what I'm reminded of. The word leads to a walk that reduces the worry. Because you know what I've discovered? That most of the things that I've really had to worry about in my life are on the other side of my own dumb decisions. Now, none of y'all have done that. You've been smart with your money. You've been good with your relationships. Like, you've never created worry in your own life. Like, you've never made a mess of things ever. But anybody else like me, like, most of the stuff that I've had to worry about is because when I stepped out of the boundaries and provisions of his word, tried to do it my way and walk my own path, and I've messed it up. And the consequences of those missteps is what bred the worry in my life. Can anybody relate? But what I've learned that when I'm staying in his word and allowing his word to dictate my walk, it reduces what I have to worry about so much. That when I'm walking in obedience to him, and and again, scripture, it reminds us of this. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5. So be careful. Be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Couldn't get much clearer, could it? Like if you want to begin to reduce the worry, walk in the way of his word. You're going to create so much more worry in your life than you have to when you keep stepping outside the boundaries of his word. That's why you need to be in the Word every day. That's why we do things around our church. Like you heard Lyle mention two days from now, Wednesday night, we start a new, semester, a new round of labs. And I love, we're doing labs now every three weeks on a Wednesday night in, uh, back here in Auditorium B to help you. Because maybe you're not in the Word because you don't understand how to study it. We're going to come alongside you and help you do that because the Word leads to a walk that reduces the worry.
If you'll stay in the word and walk in the word, then what you'll see is it, it's not because there. Now, now, now listen to me. Everybody look at me. Doesn't mean there aren't going to be things that, that, to worry about. When you walk in the word, doesn't mean everything's going to be great. Rainbows falling out of the sky. You're riding unicorns to work every day. That's not the way it works. It means bad things are still going to happen. See, Jesus never said that we shouldn't worry because we didn't have something to worry about, but because we had someone that would walk alongside us through every single situation that could generate worry. Woo. That's who he is. Walk in a way that reduces the worry, and that only comes from his word. Second thing is find others who help carry the weight. Find others who will help carry the weight. See, the things that you're going to be tempted to worry about will be so much easier to carry if you let people into your life to come alongside you to help hold those things up. Amen. That's why God, it's one of the many reasons why God gave us the church. Because we need people to surround us when the worries that tempt us, when the weight of this life come crashing down on us, you've got some extra hands to help kind of alleviate some of that pressure. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's why we do life groups. We don't do life groups because we, we believe you need something else to do with your time, but because you need some people to help carry the weight of the worries that pile up around your life. You need the relationships that you can't get just by showing up here, sitting in that seat, and pretending like you're fine. You need to get in a circle where somebody look in your eyes and know you and see your mess so they can help you drag it through life and you stop dragging it alone. The clock is ticking. And you know what's weird about this that somebody pointed out to me yesterday after church? I said, Pastor Matt, I noticed something about your hourglass. The further it gets down, the faster it starts moving. Dude, it's Right? Y'all all looking at it like, what? <laughs> if we're going to intentionally make the most of our time, we're going to have to ruthlessly eliminate worry. So let's start now. Would you bow your heads close your eyes with me? I want to talk to the people that are right, right now in this room under the weight of worry. That second one I gave you, find people to help you carry it. They're sitting in this room with you already. So I'm going to invite you. You're here today, and you're weighed down by some worry. Would you make your way to the front right now? You can kneel or you can stand. Come on. Come on. Come on. You can kneel or you can stand, whichever you're comfortable with, because we're going to pray. We're going to call down the resources of heaven. Church, you know what to do. People don't come to this altar and kneel or stand alone. They need their church family to rally around them. So come on, get out of your seat. Come put a hand on somebody. It doesn't matter if you know them or if you don't. Come put your hand on somebody, and the moment you get down here and you get your hand on them, you start praying. Come on. There shouldn't be a single person down here by themselves. Come on, church. Surround your church family. Gather around these people. I see some people alone, and it is unacceptable. Come on, gather around. Spread all the way across. Get your hand on somebody. There are people that are right here in front of you that the weight of what they're worrying about 
has been weighing so heavy on them that it's crushing them. It is diluting their time. They, can't, they, they think they're functioning, but they're not. They're, they're not living. They're just surviving. They're just coasting through life trying to figure out how, how they're going to make it. And as long as they're weighed down by that worry, they're ineffectively using their time. So would you just pray? Pray that they would feel the peace of God. Pray that they would know that his promises are true, that he says, you will have enough. You trust in me. You look to me. You allow me to be your God. You will have enough. You may not have everything you want, but you're going to have everything you need. And just remind you, you are enough. Need I say more than my son who came and died on the cross so that you could have life. So we're going to pray. And then we're going to use another weapon that he's given us. We're going to use worship. Worship is a weapon against worry. So Father, I pray right now that in this space you would show up, that you would be real and present and evident, and that God, the people that are down here, so twisted up with the worry that's very legitimate. They're not worrying about that thing because it doesn't matter and it's not important. They're worried about it because it's real. It's a reality that they're having to wrestle with. And God, I pray that you would just remind them that your word is true, that you see them, that they have not gone unnoticed, and they have someone to help them carry that something that's heavy on their hearts. Use this time, God, to minister to hearts. Church, in just a minute, the band's going to lead us to worship. I don't want you to feel rushed. Do not. You can stay here. You stay kneeling around this altar as long as you feel led. And as we begin to sing, let the words of the worship just begin to melt into your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.